Can you become selfless? That's a good question, isn't it? You need some perspective because self, ego, is here to stay. For this lifetime, anyway, our job is to reduce it, to live in a way that doesn't feed it, that doesn't nurture it. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, well, just let me put some perspective into this. Sometimes people who are on a spiritual path, whether it be through some religious practice or maybe a moral psychology of some kind, maybe a spiritual fellowship, something of that nature, an affiliation that they get involved with, well, sometimes they, they do a little self-examination, a little honest reckoning of their lives, past mistakes, things they've done wrong, sins, as it were. And they come to see how selfish and self-centered they become. Usually something has brought them to this, some pain or some misfortune, a loss of some kind, financial relationship or something like that. And in that, they get to see how that selfishness may have something to do with their feelings of anxiety. And in order to escape that, they try to do the opposite. You know, five miles into the woods, five miles out of the woods, that kind of thing. That sort of logic. And that'd be great if the discomforts were logical, but they're not. Not usually. So they try to reverse engineer their miseries. They become philanthropic or charitable. They start maybe volunteering to work in a soup kitchen or just volunteer some time somewhere. In 12-step recovery, for example, they'll make coffee at meetings or they'll volunteer to speak at gatherings at recovery events. And it, these are good things. But they'll begin to derive a sense of worth out of it without actually getting to the real cause of their problems. Very, very dangerous. You begin to feel better without being better. It's like taking an antidepressant. It is taking an antidepressant. If you examine the brain, you'll see that's exactly what it is. And that's why you have some of the sickest individuals in situations like that. They're actors. They're acting like nice people, hoping to become nice people. But they don't really change inside. Now, not all, of course. But behind many do-gooders, there's a dark motivator, a compensatory factor that you don't see. They don't see. They're compensating. And if you're doing that, and you do see it, you can get out of that very simply. The problem is that for most people, once they're in that, they can never see it. They refuse to see it because their life becomes dependent on it. They suck the life out of whatever and whoever they think they serve, they serve themselves. It's parasitic. Addictive. And you can do good deeds, of course. You should do good deeds, but it has to come naturally, not as medicine. Helping others is not medicine. It's not a cure. You take medicine for a cold, right? Because it hides your symptoms. It makes you feel less sick. It reduces the effect, but you're still sick. You're not better. You have to get better. You have to heal. And it's good to do good works, of course, but... It's not how you become good. It's not how you heal. And I can show you how to heal. I'm not a healer. Not like that. I don't go making a spectacle out of laying of hands or anything like that, pretending to be Jesus or something, like preachers. No public theatrics to enthrall you. But there is a healing. It's physical, it's mental, emotional. There is spiritual wellness, and I can point you in the direction. But you have to see the cause first. And here it is.
I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you right here. It's very, very basic. You, me, everyone, we all know what it's like to get resentful. No one escapes that. It's an experience that every human being has, except for one, right? You know who he is. But you have to get past resentment. If you never resented anyone, if you were free of anger, which you must be or else you'll die, if you were free of anger, then self, without that energy to feed upon, would starve. It'd shrink. It'd become right-sized. But self doesn't want to starve. It wants to stay nourished. It wants to be strong. It wants to build itself up. It wants to self-propel. It wants to self-motivate. It wants to feel adequate and powerful. And it wants you to allow emotion to rise up. It wants you to become upset. It wants that. It could be a painful upset or it could be a pleasurable upset. It doesn't matter. It's emotion. It wants you and every human being on the face of the earth to think that if they could just act selflessly, just act it, then self would go away. It knows that by doing that, you'll continue to resent, to judge, to get angry. And its food supply will remain all through your refusal to accept the truth about this. It wants you to believe that acting as if you're unselfish will somehow eventually make it so. That's a lie. And if you believe that lie, you become its pawn. And the nature of hell comes alive and spreads through you, through your family, your children, anyone else that you're involved with. Relationships, work. You raise a living hell in your life and in your surroundings. You could be an instrument of peace, but now you can't. Impossible. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how skinny you are, how physically fit you are, how famous you are, if you're handsome or if you're pretty, it doesn't matter. If you cannot get free of emotions, free of anger, resentment, you'll die. A horrible death. And your life will be burdened with anxiety, running towards solutions to your pain, the food, the sex. The unhealthy relationships that never stop, never work, drugs, nicotine, alcohol, antidepressants that make you worse. You'll even abuse and get addicted to music, <laughs> religion. Meanwhile, you slowly sink into an abyss. It doesn't have to be that way. All you have to do to stop this is to give up anger, to stop judging. Stop making excuses for all of the irritation, the annoyances, the judgmental God-playing, and simply allow your Creator to enter and remove all of the emotional debris so His will can override the will of that vile self that's gotten in there. And then in that moment, you become immune to resentment. You become neutral. You become protected. You can no more behave selfishly than you can fly. Because self loses its power when its fix of anger is cut off. We can override self by love so that we don't act and behave selfishly anymore because self is no longer in charge then. And we call that selfless. But self, ego, still with us, it's just right-sized. It's shrunken, undernourished when we do that. And Dan, uh, you know, I run into this idea a lot. I don't know if you do, but it's because I work with so many 
12-step people. And I, and I use this as, I use them as an example because it's such a good, it's such a good one. And it isn't limited to just people in recovery, you know, but the 12-step people, people in AA and, and recovery, I know there's so many that have somehow managed to twist their recovery program back to front in so many ways. It's as if they, it's as if they, they think that if they do unselfish things, if they try to curry favor with the, uh, the God of their understanding, right, that he will grant them happiness and make them feel better. They have this big book that's beautiful. It's very rudimentary, right? But it's also very accurate. It's got a spiritual presentation to it, and it works. But they exploit it and the elementary aspects of it to inject basically, basically what's wrong with religions into it, and it makes it look like a religion, just another wrong religion. You know what I mean by that? I'm assuming you mean the necessity of certain works yeah. and, and rituals. Exactly. Exactly. And kind of corporeal habits and 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 things that, that they expect you to do and tell you that is necessary to do in order to I guess stay stay a part of the program and stay healthy. Correct. Right. Correct. And they're all right. And they are corporeal things. And and I don't want to I'm not you know, I don't want to talk about 12 steps today or AA today, okay? I'm just using it as an example because because religions do it too. You know that. Right. And even new thought cults do it, law of attraction, all that kind of stuff. They have this act as if thing that if you act as if you're good, it means you're becoming good, you know? And that's more than not true. It actually makes you sick. Yeah. And if you're already sick, it makes you, you get sicker. So it doesn't really heal anything, you know? Acts right. of charity. Of course charity is good, but if it's not natural... It, it's not it's not real but people think that they're going to overcome selfishness by doing unselfish things by sort of reverse engineering out of it that makes them good i'm a bad person because i'm selfish okay all i will do and i do selfish things so i will do unselfish things that'll make me a good person and it's not true right you're just acting as if i that actually reminded me of a a recent clip of jordan peterson right that i watched on youtube he has these lectures from his from his classroom in can I forget what school he he teaches or taught at in Canada as a professor, but he has all these recorded lectures and I think he's in Toronto, isn't he? Yeah, it, I want to say it's McGill, but that no, just because that's so. the only Canadian university <laughs> yeah. I can think of. Um, you've heard the concept before, the notion that uh, if you were if you were a German in Nazi Germany, you would have supported the Nazi Party. Right. Don't think otherwise. You think you're you think you're good. If you were there, you would have most likely supported the Nazi Party. Yeah. You've, you've heard that before, probably. Sure. Not true, but sure. It that. is true. It is true. When you're speaking about a majority of people, it's probably true. Okay. And that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he addressed that idea. Right. He agreed with it. Really. Saying that. Most people. I always thought he was pretty smart. Well, he is smart. Most people would probably support the Nazi Party. I see. Okay, M most people. Right. And his his point was that you can't you can't actually do good until, or this is the point that I I guess gleamed from it. You can't actually do good until you real good until you know your own capacity for evil. So you actually have to recognize that that is possible within you before you can do good. Now, his solution is not the right one. 
Whereas we talk about the ego and we talk about how that exists in every person and how you have to acknowledge that. And if you never know that that's there, if you're just going about your your life completely oblivious right. to to your own, uh, I guess, original sin, so to speak, and your own capacity to to be mean, to say mean things, right. to, to even think that way, right. there's no reason to think that you would ever be any other way if the circumstance presented I see itself. what you mean. I do see what you mean. I run into this problem. It's not a problem, but I run into the situation all the time in my writings and in, when I speak to people, because I'm speaking to people about some pretty, you know, what, what they would consider to be profound things. Yep. And it all comes back to, it always comes back to resentment, of course, right? The, you know, anger and resentment. But what is it that's angering? What is it that's resentful? What is it that's, what is it, where, who is the sinner? Who's really the sinner? Yeah. So to speak. Is it you or is it something within you? And then it is something within you, you see? That's, right. That is the thing. So many people do not acknowledge that it's too horrible to think of, of something residing within you, that original sin that they, you know, that many religions talk about. No one wants to see that. And if you can't acknowledge that you're not your own person, you're not who you think you are, and the things that you do are not really you doing them, you can never, you, you can't get anything that I'm saying. Mm. Anything. You'll just think it's, I'm just some sort of, you know, and pushing some sort of philosophy or something. What, one of, one of the, the points he made in that, in that video in connection with that idea right. is that it, 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 this is quite, quite an astute observation, I think. It says, don't let your children annoy you. Right. And if you let your children annoy you, no matter how fair and how just and how impartial and, and how loving you think you are as a parent, right? he says, you will take it out on them in ways you cannot imagine. Wow, that's really good. You will, you will completely screw up their lives. You will do things to your children right. that you will have no idea that you could have been so mean. So he says that about uh, a, a parent-child relationship. Right. And that goes back, it, it goes directly back to what you're saying, which is that if you don't acknowledge the resentment and the annoyance that you feel, right, and you focus on being a good person, doing good things, doing things the right way. If you leave that, if you leave the first thing unattended to, you won't, you won't be able to do it. You in your heart, and it will come out in your actions, you're going to be a vicious person. You're going to be a selfish person. You can't fake selflessness by ignoring the resentment and annoyance and bitterness that you will inevitably feel and be tempted with that is first. That is true. Because what happens is if you suppress, when you suppress, you can use the word suppress or repress, whichever one you want. When you hide, run from your own anger, yeah. your own resentments, that's not, go that's not going into you like, you know, you've heard people say, uh, you know, drop the rock or whatever. You you're, not, you're not storing that someplace. Yeah. That's, that's going in you and it's feeding something. Something is becoming nourished by that. And that is your lower self. That is your... That dark entity that resides within you is it. It feeds on hate. It feeds on anger. So it is becoming larger. 
And what is that thing that is we call that self? So you become selfish the more that thing nourishes and the bigger it grows. And that's where that's why people become narcissistic, selfish and self-centered, always looking out, you know, self-absorbed people become that way because they began getting that way by feeding that thing inside of them through the resentments that they that they have. So what he's saying, it sounds like he's saying, I'm putting words in his mouth, but it sounds like he's saying you become a selfish parent. Essentially. Now, why do you call it self? Isn't it confusing to call it self? Yes. <laughs> you mean instead of ego? Sure. Well, because if you're ego- trying to separate it from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an idea, you're trying to separate it from the person. Sure. Why are you calling it self? I know. When self inherently means self. one's own person. Yeah. Well, because it's it's a false self. I really should say more often I should say false self. Okay. It's something that is it's not you that you think is you because it tells you that it's you. Right. And when you're connected to it, when you're connected through your thinking, through your thoughts to it, its thoughts, you think it's your thoughts. So that's why that's why you meditate to come to practice stepping back and observing your thoughts and realizing that those thoughts are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It is self's that false self's thoughts. You don't have any thoughts, right? Your thoughts, you have intuition from your from God. Yeah. So, and that's that's completely wordless. That's where your discipline is supposed to come from. Your natural discipline, your morality, your virtue. It comes from your Creator. Yeah. When you have to think these things through, those are through the intellect, which is yourself, the false self. So in conversation, I don't many times say false self or dark self or dark entity because I start to sound a little, you know, Fruit Loops. <laughs> okay. Fruit Loopy there because it's, it, it's not language that people like to hear. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't matter because they're not going to acknowledge a false self Versus a true self. You have two selves. There's two yous. One is really you, the child of God, and the other one is the not you, child of the other guy, the devil. And it depends on which one you're going to align with. Which one of those are you going to get your directions from? Are you going to get it intuitively, wordlessly, or are you going to listen to that other thing, which comes to you in words and intellect. I'll do this and I'll do that. That voice that you hear inside of your head. Right. Which which has the capacity to do evil. Yes, it does. And if you don't acknowledge it, right. you'd be surprised at how far you would go. Yes. So as, I like what he says. Person, I, the, oh my God, I'm supporting Nazi Germany. How is that possible? Right. Well, you didn't you didn't know that you were capable of it. That's why. That's you the d- first step is knowing that it's there. You think it's you. Those people yeah. that were that were giving in to Hitler. Yeah. And Nazi Germany, they were not. That wasn't them doing it. That was something within them that they thought was them that was attached to that. And they were not free. That they, they were, di- that they didn't know was there. They didn't know it was there because they were hypnotized. Right. And that's what hypnotism is about. So we can be hypnotized even in our society, and we are hypnotized by by influences, political influences. I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be political though. Uh, advertisers, salespeople. Yeah. They hypnotize you. I was a salesperson. I know what it is to, I can hypnotize somebody into buying a product and how to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's all that is. And it's thought to be harmless, of course. But that's, I agree with that 100% on that. You know, this is all, this is all neurologically true. Psychologists have 
determined that act, they've done studies which show that actually doing good things has biological effects, neurological effects in the brain. Right. There's something called a, if you've ever heard of this, it's called the helper's high. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah. They have a name for it. It's called helper's high and it's actually producing endorphins. Mm -hmm. It's like more, it's morphine. It's self-produced morphine in the body, which actually makes you high and gives you feelings of pleasure when you do good things for people. And you can become addicted to that. You can become addicted to that drug. So people who do good things in order to feel good are doing it selfishly in order to feel better. Now, what is it that feels so bad? Why would you have to do that? Couldn't you do just, couldn't you just be motivated through real altruism to do good things because you're a good person? No, if you're a bad person, you compensate for the pain of your judgments upon others. And that one way to do that is by doing good deeds. So, so these are the people that you almost wish weren't helping you as much as they were, whether it be- that happens, yeah. At the grocery store, you know, somebody moving over for you. Oh, yeah. Or somebody grabbing something for you. Get away from me. Or, or, <laughs> or, yeah. And they're doing it, and it's almost like, why are you being so helpful? Like, right. Like, please, just like, let me, you know, back off a little bit. I, I mean, I want to appreciate it, but at the same time, there's something uncomfortable about it. There is. It's very uncomfortable. Remember my sister. Well, I had two sisters, right? Of course. Uh, Elizabeth. I have one half sister and one sister. Okay, Elizabeth, who's deceased. If you remember, she, you know, she had a drug problem. And she was told by a psychologist, she was seeing a psychologist at a time when she was trying to get clean from drugs. And uh, she was in therapy. And they told her that she would, one of the things that she needed to do was to pamper herself, to make some time out for herself, to go and get a massage and to pamper yourself, to do things yes. for yourself. Me time. Me time. <laughs> and they told her, you know, yes, you know, go, go get an ice cream sundae. Or she, her favorite was, uh, now she was detoxing from, um, from heroin at the time. So, so sugar is very helpful for that. They call this self-care. Self-care? Women are very into self-care. Really? Yeah. Like <laughs> friends of mine on, on uh, Facebook and Instagram always posting self-care pictures and Oh, you know, going to take a bubble bath, and oh, I just had, I just watched a, a romantic movie, and right. things like that. Right. Well, uh, what she used to do is she used to get these massages, and it would give make her feel good. It was a substitute for the heroin, so it actually help it helps people detox. So the, therapeutically, you can see the value in it. But if you do that long term, if that becomes part of your lifestyle, that's not good. That's not good. It's like I get. I'm going to physical therapy, right? And I'm getting, because I had a, uh, you know, I had that muscle thing. And so they're doing, uh, they're doing massage, okay? And it's been very beneficial for like me. Like at the end of your workout. Yeah, right. At the end of my workout, yep. I get a massage. And that's not to make me feel good. That's actually therapeutic. That's actually working the knots out of a particular muscle that's, yep. that's causing me pain because I've, I've strained it. And I want to go get continue with that in case I ever need it because I'll have a tendency to you know jam up that muscle again. Well, I want to I go see a masseuse. Every masseuse that I go look up in the area, masseuse or masseuse, what's a male masseuse? Isn't a masseuse, there's masseur. A masseur, yeah, a masseur. So I want to get a massage specialist, but all of them are so flaky. They're all like, they're all like, 
I'm going to heal you, my healing hands. Yeah. And I'm going to make you feel so good. Yes. And you, you'll be relaxed and blah, blah. Oh, my. Yes. You, I will send you to heaven. Right. But, you know, I don't, that's not what I'm looking right. for. I don't want some weird witch lady putting her hands on me. Yeah. You <laughs> don't want some, oh, I will transfer my, my, my energy into you. Yes. Yes. My, my, I will give you life. My Riki Tiki Tavi. You know, it's crazy. No, keep, keep that away from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did. I saw. Um, I was reading about a a six week study. But so you just want a a physical massage for the physical muscle benefits. Yeah, that's all. Where where you need it. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to be made to feel good. Right. I don't want to be made to feel good. I'm not looking for secret morphine. And you can get that at PT, but I don't know if you can get that as a. You know, as just a commercial product. I was reading about this study where they took, um, it wasn't like really large, but they took a few, it was like 500 people were in it. And they put these people together and they told, they wanted them to volunteer and to do good deeds, right? So they had different levels of deeds that they would do. They would do deeds to benefit the world and deeds to benefit other people. And, and it, it, it got rather complicated. But what it came down to was they had this one group of people who were told to do nice things for themselves. Okay. And the people who did stuff for other people performed acts of kindness, like helping, it could be anything simple, just helping family members cook dinner or, uh, you know, picking up litter, that sort of thing. And then they did nice things for themselves, like things all, like they were exercising, taking days off from work, that sort of thing. Um, or maybe like my sister did, go get a, go get a massage or go get a, a hot fudge sundae. It was measured by questionnaire. The people who did the things for other people had improved mood. They were happier than the people. There was absolutely no improvement in the people that did things for themselves, ultimately. So why is that? Well, that's the thing. They want to find out why. It didn't, in other words, they felt good while they were doing something, but it didn't last. Whereas the people that did things for other people, even when they weren't doing things for other people, their general, general mood had improved, which is kind of interesting. They try to come to the conclusion that if you do something for other people, you will feel better and you will get positive emotions. Okay. My, what I'm saying is that's not good to do. You should not be doing things to feel good. You should just, you should feel good because you are good. Yeah. Not because you've self-induced them within yourself. That's the only point I'm saying, which you can do through antidepressant medications. If you need them, you could do them through heroin, drinking, food, sex. You can do, you can improve your mood by doing all of these things. You raise, you, you, you mess with these dopamine and serotonin levels in your brain. So whether it's right or wrong, regardless of that, Right. It does work. Regardless of whether it's right or wrong, it's interesting that doing it for other people mm -hmm. has a more lasting effect than doing it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it about doing things for yourself that doesn't work as well? And it's it actually, it's more like a drug, right? And that it's great when you take it. Here's when why. you're not doing it, you're, you're jonesing for more. You're, you're, you're actually you know, disgruntled when you, when you aren't, when you aren't on the drug. It comes back to that word again. You're doing things for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you see? And that's why, and you have to keep replenishing that and goes away. So self is greedy. Self wants more. If you help some old lady cross the street, she's not going to give you a phone call the next day. No. Say, say, I'm going to the store. Help me get across the street. Right. Whereas if you help yourself, you're going to go back and feed yourself the next day. 
Yeah. To get it back. And if you don't do it, if you don't replenish it, it's gone. So there's something almost like internally cyclical about it. Yes. That seems wrong. You have to keep doing it over and over. Not only have you supplied, which feels good, but you've received, which feels good too. Right. And you want more. Yeah. You want more. That's you weird. Want more. Isn't that weird? It's not weird. That's so that's the difference. That's why that's why when I talk about self, it's lower self. Like it's a greed. It's a terrible thing. It's vile. Yeah. It's vile. It just wants to suck and suck and suck. And it'll suck out of other people too, because there are people who you will help who now they become addicted to you. And once you set up that parasitic right relationship with them, yep. that's why caregivers are always in, in great danger because the people that they're giving care to start to suck the life out of them. Old people. That's would be one group. Old people, ill people. Life sucking old people. <laughs> <laughs> Vampires. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, there is, that's psychic vampires. They suck the life out of you. Oh, that's like, you know, oh, come on, give grandma a kiss. Oh, come on. Oh, well, you have to be careful of kissing grandma yeah. and grandpa too, because uh, you never know what they're really looking for. <laughs> that's just a weird statement. It's like totally weird. Well, I said it. Yeah. No, you have to be, you have to be careful because they- They don't have the best intentions. They're looking for, they're, they're sucking energy out of they you. They need the love and affection- of other people. Right. Well, a lot of people don't realize is that love and affection, as much as anger, hate, these are real energetic forces. These are real, it's electricity, it's electric. And they course through the universe and they're pushing through us and pushing past us. And you're either drawing out of that, you're drawing either the positive or the negative energy and spinning that into emotional energy within you. So when you're taking love from someone people love each other they're that love but now i'm talking about i'm not talking about love like impartial yeah, godly love i'm talking about emotional emotionalized yeah. love yeah that kind that is an exchange that happens to people it really is if you could see, i wish you could see it if you could see, you probably could see if you had the right instrumentation but people do exchange energy between themselves hmm. and it's real and it feed and that's what that that's what that ego feeds upon or self, dark self, dark yeah. self, the bad self, the lower self, however you want to call it. Going back to being selfish as a generally understood concept of, you know, I don't care about other people, I'm selfish, or I care about other people, I'm selfless. It's amazing these people who are so, so caught up in wearing a mask and social distancing and doing all these things that uh, the federal government has advised and state governments have implemented these restrictions and and they almost they're they're becoming obsessed with judging other people who they deem not as selfless as they are for following the rules when they see people without a mask on when they see people oh you see those people with their mask pulled down below their nose and i've never seen such such angry judgmental quote unquote selfless people before it's kind of contradictory isn't it? it seems contradictory to me right so you that know? Was, well that's kind of like uh they're so worried about what everybody else is doing and how saintly that they are and right. that nobody can compare to them and if everybody were just as good as them right the world would be a better place yeah well i remember watching uh andrew cuomo you know you don't wear a mask for you you wear a mask for me <laughs> uh, yeah 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 it's like okay well doesn't that make you selfish if you're making me do it for you <laughs> yeah and of course a picture of him 
comes out on a plane with his mask pulled down. Right, exactly. With his nose exposed. So <laughs> all of these politicians. Yeah, they're just they're so hypocritical. Oh my god. I love the one in the uh the White House the the press room where uh the reporters all have their masks on and they're all asking questions like they're worried and the federal government isn't doing enough. And then as soon as the interview or not interview, as soon as the briefing ends, yeah. thank you. And uh you know, walk out of the room. Yeah. And they, if you're watching a live YouTube feed, they cut to the the back camera where you can see all the seats and all the reporters ripping off their mask and <laughs> start yeah. talking. Yeah, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, that's I, these are the people who supposedly care. The uh, the inside, the insider news on on what goes on in the Brady press briefing room. Yeah, after the, you know when the cameras are thought to be off, is that that's actually right after that. Boom! All of the social distancing goes completely out the window, and the uh, what's what's the CNN reporters that guy? The, oh no, totally obnoxious. What's his name? I can't remember his name right now. Come on, I can't remember. Okay, right the inside scoop on that is that you know as soon as the cameras are off, yeah, boom, the masks come off, and there's no social distancing. They're all like friendly and shaking hands and walking around. It's like it's outrageous. Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta. Yeah, that's right. He's one of the. Most annoying people I've ever seen. <laughs> he's not, oh my god! He's very. He's. Oh, I don't. Don't. Don't get into it. I don't even want to get into it right now. But yeah, he's very. He's very obnoxious. He's not. He's. He's totally unprofessional. Totally unprofessional. Yeah. Unbelievable. Part of what he does is he tries to irk Trump. Yeah. And I think that's part of part of his mission is to try to irk him. Well, that's why. That's why I'm complaining about him. Is is these reporters where you have reporters who are supportive of Trump. Right. Uh, visibly so. You have reporters who seemingly, and, and this is a very small group, want to ask valid, impartial questions to report the news. That's what your ideal reporter would look like. You don't seem to have many of those. And then you have reporters who are just so blatantly trying to annoy the president. It's right. Like, that's what we want. That's the goal. If Man, if I can get him to say something, right? if I can get a bad sound bite out of him, I've I've done my job for the day. Yeah, they're supposed to be there to collect news. A lot of the reporters so, don't, don't like going into that room, you know. So when you have these reporters whose whose job it is is obviously to get a bad soundbite from the president, you don't have reporters anymore. Right. You have uh, basically opposition party operatives. Unfortunately, whether they're official or not, that's what they're doing. I'm trying to help the Democratic Party. I'm trying. I'm trying to harm the president. I'm trying to get him to say something dumb. And that should never be the goal of a reporter. No, it's that they're just looking for their gotcha moments. Yeah. And those are those are wrong. What what's also boring is the people who whose only goal is to get the president to say wonderful things. And the most interesting people are the ones who are just reporting the news. Right. Asking questions and letting the answers come naturally without and trying to force a positive or negative answer there from, aren't a heck of a lot of those around are there no there seem to be none of them actually none of them none of them are showing up in that press room yeah. even even oan who you can like them or hate them the the questions they're asking are obviously framed to paint the president as as you know as as a hero right and maybe that has its place but i really wish there were reporters who were just asking questions so they could report the news and there don't seem to be all right, I believe we are done for the day. This is episode number, what is it, Dan? 
I don't know. You don't know the episode number. Well, I the episode don't. number will be post will be posted on on the link. Join us again next time, and thanks for listening.